0: Hello and thank you so much for tuning into The Education Burrito, a podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q Sum and each episode I will be joined by special guests as we unwrap The Education Burrito. I'm buzzing because I'm joined in this episode by someone who has worked in inclusive tea in the past when they were a student, which saw them continuing in this area of work post-graduation. They've also worked in several student success projects, engaging students through curriculum transformation projects on how to make the curriculum more inclusive for all students across the institution. They've also taken part in championing and presenting the attainment gap at the institutional, regional and at national levels. If you have been following their work, they publish a paper with colleagues titled, Are We Just Engaging the Usual Suspects? Challenges in and Practical Strategies for Supporting Equity and Diversity in Student-Staff Partnership Initiatives, a paper that I would highly recommend everyone to go and have a read. But anyhow, can you guess who's joining me today? It's the amazing Tamara Reed. Tamara, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so that was a fantastic introduction my goodness I feel like a a famous celebrity but yeah thank you so much um, for having me. Well you are guest (laughs) so you are
0: famous of some sort.
1: Thank you thank you I'm very excited to be here and have this conversation. with.
0: Good good well can I just first of all say congratulations on your new recent venture.
1: Thank you I appreciate it.
0: well for our listeners um Tamara has uh, gone back into education I have I have and it's it's week one and I'm just like what have I
1: gotten myself in (laughs) for studying researching again but it's all very very exciting and I'm I'm looking forward to taking a kind of deeper delve into like education its purposes um and how to think a little bit more deeply about my practice, I guess, as a student engagement practitioner. So all very exciting.
0: Yes. Does it feel weird to be a student at the same time? <laughs> yes, it does. It really does.
1: Because obviously, for those of you who don't know, I work at Kingston University. So um, it's weird to be like working as a you know, member of staff at another higher education institute and be a student at another one at the same time it's just it's really weird because like I have to I guess kind of throw away my identity of feeling like a staff member Um, but I guess having the institutional kind of separation is helpful for kind of dividing those parts of my life a little bit or else it'd just be like quite a bit hectic when like people send me emails from Kingston as a student and then as a staff and I I wouldn't know what to do
0: (laughs) Mm. But welcome to student life. I guess you've got the student card, Make sure you feel student, then you've got student discount. <laughs> and that's the key. I've got the student discounts. Living my
1: best life with those, I'll tell you that one for sure. I've just, um, me and my brother just bought a flat and I've been like going through all the discounts to be like... I- is there a discount for furniture? Can I buy a bed with my student discount? Um, so it's been really good for that. That's one of the key, you know, pluses of working, working or studying a higher education institute: the student discount.
0: But anyhow, um, coming, <laughs> back <to the> podcast, <laughs> coming back to the podcast, coming um, back to the podcast. Well, it's been great to be following the fantastic work you've been doing on student engagement, and you kind of alluded there that you are working, you know, doing an MA in education and your previous work as a student. I don't know if you can still remember, Tamara, but I remember the first time when you, well, I kind of met you in person at the race conference a couple of years back in Newcastle before the pandemic. And you won the poster competition. Can you remember that? Yes,
1: yes. It's actually me and my team who won the poster competition. They just only said my name. But yes, I remember that. I definitely.
0: Yes. And the poster's a pirate island of some sort. Yeah, yeah. It
1: was. It was the, the poster, essentially, way back when, a couple of years ago, as a student engagement ambassador, um, and with three other student engagement ambassadors in my team, and the poster that we had put together for that was really kind of like our journey as student partners kind of within our work at Bath, and all of the tensions we had experienced, you know, navigating power dynamics, and thinking about the things that have been helpful in helping us do our work so yeah it was a bit of a like taking us on kind of a journey to get to the treasure of of student you know staff partnerships within our specific context so that was a really kind of dope moment for us to really walk away from RAISE actually and that was a year a year after we started so we started our year a student engagement ambassador's going to RAISE and we finished it at RAISE in Newcastle and so it was great to to, yeah to have won that post competition.
0: Well that's good if we then backtrack a bit then for those who don't know Tamara well maybe if you can share how you first got involved in the student engagement work that you do I mean you've done quite a bit
1: yeah yeah. I guess I, I feel like I've stumbled into like what I do now and student engagement entirely kind of by accident I had kind of always again accidentally been a student rep. or just waited for the you know the elections that they usually have and you have to put yourself forward I never did any of that because I was like, that's a bunch of faff that I'm not really, really prepared to do. But I always volunteered if no one had like got elected. So I guess part like part of me was like, okay, recognize the importance of student voice from quite early on within my undergraduate degree. But it wasn't until Amate Doku, I don't know if you, you remember Amate, who was the NUS vice president at the time came to our conference essentially to talk about the BME awarding gap and I was like well what is this like this is super you know fascinating you know why why are students of colour not doing as well as their white counterparts and I I found that all just like it was just really shocking the first time we found out about it because you're just like how can this be? But also it was really affirming in a way to the experiences that I had had um, and really brought them to light as issues and not as kind of an experience that should have been acceptable, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, that kind of launched me into a bit of a path of discovering more about it in my own time. And then this, the role at bus, which is Student Engagement Ambassador, of inclusion popped up and I was like well you know this is a really exciting opportunity for me to take what I've been learning about the attainment gap and kind of learning what I knew about learning and teaching from being involved as an academic rep and really kind of put that all together to be able to make the curriculum and experience of marginalized students at Bar more inclusive. So that's kind of how I ended up in student engagement, but particularly in student engagement with the spin of inclusion and curriculum development.
0: Mm, no interesting. So did you do any projects as a student ambassador in terms of inclusion areas as, as a student?
1: So I guess one of my biggest projects from that year was I did a big piece of research where I went away and and talked to about Hundred and sixty-three students. So in you know, whether that's kind of forums or interviews or focus groups, you know, I just went away and talked to loads and loads of different students, international students, black students, low income students, just all these different types of students to really unpack what their experience was at Bath. And took me two couple of months to kind of do all the interviews and but yeah, that that piece ended up being a 20,000 word report just really outlining what was going on and it was just so interesting for me to really learn how really curriculum can shape a lot of people's experience because I think before then at the time you know everything was like well it's not really our teaching that could be bad you know Bath is a tech gold university so you know a lot of it was like well, it must be down to the students, you know, all these deficit stuff. And I was just on a mission to be like, to prove that wrong, because I, I didn't believe that was true. And so some of the interesting things that I had discovered are like really blatant stuff like racism and so on and so forth, which is always really depressing. You know, when we think about the material within the curriculum students were telling me about how you know exclusive it was you know it was very eurocentric it wasn't globalized and, and that's really important when you have students who come from all across the world to learn about a particular subject and you know those were the things that they were calling for or even actually at some some points that the curriculum was classist and I think those which is very strange but it can be the actual kind of content and the questions we asked were classist you know what do we assume about the knowledge and the schooling that students have had so you know one of the questions someone discussed to, to me about is their teacher was like well who's flown a helicopter helicopter and like in any context that's just a bit of a crazy question to me that sounds like a crazy question to ask but what was quite interesting was the response in the classroom where actually a lot of people had flown a helicopter you know which is which is stunning but it's really interesting actually that in the context of being at bath that that question it was an okay question to ask but the student who was like I've never been you know I've never been on a plane let alone flown anything was just a bit like well I feel left out in this classroom because this is a conversation that other people Get to have, and I don't, and they're using that experience as a starting place, you know, to look at engineering. So it was, is really big and really interesting um, project, and that sometimes a lot of evidence. For change, um, so supporting our curriculum transformation process, um, but also kind of fed into our access and participation plan as evidence. So it's, I think, to date, it's probably the best thing I've ever done. It's the, the thing I'm, I'm most proud of, and to be able to, as a student, and be given the space to do that level of work was just,
0: yeah, it was a great experience. That's a fair good reflection on how your own you know, your ethnic minority background and your own experiences influenced the things that you got into it, whether by just falling by accident into this area, by <laughs> raising your hands as being a course <laughs> rep, to then do the things that you are doing in terms of inclusion, ensuring that there is this equality throughout the higher education system. So if you kind of moved on, or move on, uh, when well, you've been a student um, before and then you graduated and then you kind of got into the roles of inclusion, activities at university as a member of staff how did that feel because there's this kind of transition from having that mindset as a student to yes I've championed this and now I'm being a, a member of staff to then helping and supporting those students. Yeah it's such a good question it's a real,
1: it's a very interesting transition and I actually talk about it to my students all the time because one thing I hate about being a, a member of staff is that I don't feel there's as much freedom to do and say what you want to say, you know, as, as a student. I, I think there's so much in my role as a student engagement ambassador. There was a lot of space for me to go away and discover the things that I wanted to discover and work on the projects that I wanted to work on and raise hell um, without that really being too much of an issue and be very challenging without feeling that kind of tension of like this is my work I have to be professional and I could lose my job so I I think that transition was quite difficult for me because I did want to be superbly rebellious and really challenge things but it just I don't know I I still challenge things, but I guess to a lesser extent. But also just kind of being in the transition of now really supporting students and and taking care of students that was really new because I had to stop seeing myself even though I graduated as a student and now as a adult or a kind of member of staff who actually has things to offer to other students and support them so that's been quite a weird like transition to make I think for me in my career over the last two years or so.
0: And I think that's a good point I think just transitioning from anything is always a challenge let alone transitioning from a student to a member of staff in a in your case in a topic that you feel very passionate about I'm sure it's very challenging especially when you just mentioned there is this kind of power dynamic of some sort that you can't you don't have the freedom to do whatever you potentially might want to do perhaps future discussions on how you could actually collaborate with others members of staff to break down those barriers really as a member of staff in this inclusion area perhaps just to highlight a few key things that you are doing currently in your role my current
1: role is i am the inclusive curriculum consultant program leads with lots of words a very big title and essentially my my key role at the moment is to again run that program we hire students at kingston to help be consultants to work with staff to help them reflect really on their practice and how they can make it inclusive. And it's a very exciting program. I, I love it, I love it, I love it because I think one of the greatest things that I've learned from particularly as in my role kind of as a student is that I had a lot to say, I had had a lot of experiences and I had a lot of, of knowledge, but it was just finding the language to be able to communicate with staff effectively those experiences and so in this current program what's really important to me is just giving my consultants the language and really the space to reflect on their own experiences and bring it to their work so that's really the main body of my work is training my consultants and and really supporting all the projects they work on so we get to do a lot of you know, interesting things we review module content and that's always very interesting because you get to learn about new subjects and it really challenges you I guess think beyond what you know and think about what you know to bring to the subject so you know when we're thinking about the sciences one of the reviews we're doing is in science in a science module and you know everyone's like you know we can't make science inclusive and we we can't decolonize it and we we can't we can't we can't we can't we can't and so doing this module it's it's called drugs brain and, and behavior has been really interesting because What we've decided to do with that member of staff is to have them think about, well, this is not a dry topic. You're talking about mental health disorders like that has some real world context that you can talk about. So in that project, we've been really trying to relate what happens in society to what is being discussed. So that's been really a really like dope project. That we've been working on. My students have been like doing an amazing, amazing job talking about, you know, disability. So yeah, like it, even you know something as mundane as a canvas review can, can be really exciting. Um, but yeah, we do loads of little projects like that. We are currently supporting our the review of our academic framework, which my consultants have just like conducted about twelve focus groups for, and have done a report to feed in. Yeah, again. F- feed in directly to the new framework that will be being set up and will impact every course in the university. And I I think that's quite exciting. So yeah, those are just examples of a few things that we do. But kind of other work that my team are doing is we're really looking right now at culturally responsive well-being in the curriculum and developing an anti-racist curriculum. So that's, yeah, that's some of the things um, I'm kind of working on.
0: You know, the work that you're doing sounds amazing. And I quite like, the. Word, you've mentioned this a couple of times, the word dope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everything's dope to me. <laughs> but it's great that you're working with students as consultants. It's like you're drawing on their own expertise and their, their own experience as a student to then feed in to the curriculum, you know, decolonizing the curriculum so that students, for example, take ownership or feel ownership to what they're doing rather than the member staff feeding them this information and they are then trying to accept it so it's quite nice I want to ask you because you mentioned you work with staff member staff and students how do you recruit them Because we know that, (laughs) I know you and I know that working with students can be quite difficult, especially trying to keep them engaged. How do you engage them in the work that you do in this topical area? Yeah, how do we recruit them?
1: That's a good question. So I've only been in this job for a year, so I've only done one recruitment cycle. But the programme has existed for five years. So there has been like some groundwork. I think that's kind of laid the foundation for this year, which was really our biggest year of recruitment. So I think that's been helpful. But I also think the kind of just climate we find ourselves in has really brought inclusion to the forefront of a lot of students' minds or is helping them, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement really unpack a lot of their experiences. So that's just kind of been helpful in OK, so students being like, I know what this is. I, un- I understand what inclusion is vaguely. And so essentially what we do, you know, I, I just send out flyers. We go to Freshers' Fair. We talk to students and we say, like, this is what we do. And we want you to be a part of reshaping the way you want to see your own curriculum as a really exciting opportunity. And in a way that they can't do through any other kind of student as or student engagement kind of type activities but I I have found that uh, most of I would say about 70% of the students on my program are black Asian and minority ethnic which is really great because you usually don't see that kind of diversity in student partnership a lot a lot of the time I feel I think and I think it helps that I guess this is not a research-based program so it's really not off-putting to students who are like well I I don't want to be a academic so I think I found that quite quite helpful so yeah I, I don't know but yeah we kind of scrapped we also scrapped our interviews this year as well um we just said we're getting rid of them. there's no point why am I interviewing you what what do I get from that so we, we just did video applications and I was just like answer these four questions I just want to know that you're passionate about this subject because I think a lot of these processes and have so much power dynamics as, as you said within them that actually is really off-putting to so many students who are interested and who do want to apply, but don't feel like they have the experience, don't feel like they have the knowledge when they do. So, I try to make it as simple as possible for anyone who just had passion to apply that they could apply, um, and in a way that was kind of easy and accessible. for
0: them. That's brilliant. I think it just it's been more difficult during the pandemic, but like you mentioned freshers' fair. Just handing in, handing those flyers is. Is that personalised approach. When you see the students there, you can just talk to them and ask them, there is this great opportunity and they'll benefit you XYZ. And it's amazing how you've, you've got students who, who are showing their interest and being engaged for it. So that's quite interesting. How about members of staff? How do you keep them engaged? And how do they all fit into this programme in terms of helping you with the inclusion goals that you wanted yeah. to set and achieve?
1: So it's quite interesting because we're, we're more of like a service to to staff if that makes sense I would say I guess kind of like any a lot of other programs it is really difficult to recruit staff because it's not a thing of like where we have projects that we want staff to come and, and and work with us on it's more staff have the projects and will come not projects they might have ideas they might have particular things that they want to happen but that all kind of has to start with them again like that's really that's quite a tricky thing because a lot of staff don't realize that they have a problem and so for them to kind of make the recognition well they don't even have to have a problem but for them to kind of recognize that this is something that could be beneficial to them has been has been quite a tricky one And it's something I'm still navigating. A lot of it has been turning up to lots of workshops that our staff go to. So, you know, when we have course enhancement sessions, when they have kind of their annual monitoring reviews that they have to fill in, coming and talking to them and being like, well, this is what we do on this programme. And we might be able to help you achieve some of your aims. And so when I'm talking to staff, you know most of them are really excited and really care about inclusion and so you know it's easy like they're like tomorrow i have like loads of stuff that i want you to come and work you know you and the consultants come and work with me on and the others it's more of a hard sell i feel like i've become a bit of a seller in this job but the others it's just like okay well you know i know you're not passionate about this but because of x y and z monitoring form and these access and participation plan targets and our edi objectives um, (laughs) You have to care about this. So how can I how can I be of service to you to help you <laughs> close some of these gaps or make this more inclusive so you don't ever have to see my face again? So there's a lot of positioning and really thinking about where the staff that we work with are at and, and thinking about their needs and how to get them on board. So it's very kind of, again, specialised marketing, if you will, to to really try and engage staff with this program and you know I may I may be biased but there's excellent program that uh, I'm running and that with the excellent students I have so that's kind of like the relationship with staff that we kind of work with on projects but staff also come in work with us to kind of train the consultants and I really enjoy that having kind of members of staff come and teach them about learning and teaching and student engagement and really just helping them build their knowledge about all the different areas that kind of encompass learning and teaching and inclusion and so that's kind of really exciting when we get you know stuff you're like I want to do training or you know I just just want to have a chat with the consultants and get their understanding and and, uh, perspectives I think that's quite enjoyable for me and I, I really like that actually staff do see them as equals and see their contributions as really important and valuable
0: hmm. now it's interesting how um you mentioned uh, they will never see your fa- i'm sure they'll love to see your face Mara. <laughs> come on you're you bring joy to the room or to wherever you go so i appreciate that i mean yeah of course they'll see my face again but hopefully not telling them off
1: that's uh, that's the spin
0: No, but it's good. It's good to hear that you the way the things that you're doing in your in your institutions kind of pushing people, whether students or staff, to reflect and question how the things that they're doing can be pushed into the the inclusion, make sure it's inclusive, make sure it's diverse, engaging all the students and especially those who are not as engaged. Yes, those students who are engaged are perhaps very active anyway, but it's those students in the corner, not saying much and People would assume that they know what they're doing, or they Mm. feel that they are somewhat involved with it, but actually they're not. So it's great to have you know the consultants and doing the focus groups and just making sure that everyone on site or in your own institution is aware of what you're doing, the EDIs and the goals that you want um, the institution to be pushing for. Because at the end of the day, university is very diverse. It's not just a single demographic, is it? But it's great to hear that you're doing all these work and tapping into the unknowns
1: yeah thank you thank you it's a must and yeah like you said like we are a very diverse institution you know it's not a matter of like the OFS badgering us to do the work like we have to do it because we have a very diverse group of students and you know if we if that's who we take in then that's who we, t- who we should be catering to and I just you know especially with COVID I think it's just more important than ever that we're kind of out talking to our students, involving them and, and really hearing what they have to say so so we can build better, so we can move forward better. I think right now it's just, you know, it's such a great moment. We've been, I love the word disruption, it's my favourite word at the moment, but, you know, we've been so disrupted in our thinking of what education looks like in this last year because we've had to talk online and I just think at the moment as unis are kind of putting together their new education strategies going forward like this is the real perfect time for them to kind of talk to students and engage with them to really help them shape the direction of which we need to go and 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 I think without COVID that wouldn't be an opportunity that we would have. So uh, that's something I'm personally very excited for and, and trying to use this programme as, as kind of a way to, you know, inject some student you know, voice and engagement in into that shaping of the new future.
0: We've we spoke, or you've spoke mainly about the benefits of engaging with students and staff in terms of inclusion. But if we kind of look on the opposite side, what are the main risks do you think of being so active in this inclusive or inclusion activities that you're doing on site into in the educational space? It's, it's challenging, I think. From my personal
1: experience, like risk is important. It's it's really, really hiring, you know, you are constantly talking about issues that are hard, that are difficult, that are traumatic. You are reliving experiences, you know, on top of actually sometimes, you know, facing those very same things. So you know, I have to talk about racism while experiencing racism all at the same time. That's hard. The conversations we have to have with people are hard you have to have so much patience and kindness and compassion for other people who, ca- who can be in certain certain kind of sessions, you know, insulting you. So that, that all in itself can just be such a struggle um, to cope with. And I think what I've learned is that I have to take time to take risks um, and step away because from a sustainability point of view, like, I won't be able to keep doing the work I do. I won't be able to have the impact I would like to have. And, you know, if that is saying no to some things sometime, then, then I, that's OK. Do you know what I mean? That's OK. So I think that that is a number one challenge. And I think thinking about my students now, because I, I feel so strongly about safeguarding in terms of the experiences they're having, a lot of what I try to do is, you know, we've, we've set really strict, like, rules and values within our programme. So mainly for the staff, you know, if they aren't really working to those values, then I have been like, I just won't work with you. And, and that's it. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to work with you we'll drop this project right now and I won't feel two ways about it because actually I don't want my, cons- my consultants to be traumatized I don't want them to have bad experiences there's no reason for them to be having those kind of experiences so I've been quite strict on on that and who who they get to work with and if those people are following the values that we we set out within our program because it is difficult you know, the work that they're doing is hard. It requires a lot of them and a lot of reflection from their own personal experiences. I think is the main challenge. And I I would say like academic physics is a in this space is is a challenge I find very, very hard because I think when I came into it I was very naive. I was like, ah, oh my God, we are gonna be super excited about making inclusion happen. Yes. Oh my goodness. And then it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't. It wasn't that not everyone is excited, um, and uh, that's 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 a realization that I've had to come to um, grips with. And I think if you don't come to grips with it, with it, like it will make your career very difficult. But I've I've really tried to make peace with like some people aren't on this journey, and if they're resistant, what is it that I need to do before we can? have this conversation and so just like students staff have to be scaffolded into doing this kind of work Do you know what i mean i think when you come from a place of knowledge you you feel like everyone should be where you are and essentially they're really not like this is this is very scary this is challenging for them this is challenging them as people and their values and their ways of thinking so a lot of my thinking around academic resistance in particular is has been like okay like how do I start where you're from how do I take you to where you need to go how do I deal with your emotions how do I comfort you you know how, how do I make this as easy as possible be on board so whilst that's a challenge like it's one that I've been learning how to navigate quite carefully and quite practically As well. And then just thinking about my students, not that they like throw up massive challenges. Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges for me this year is just always about building their confidence that they have ownership an authority and agency in all the work that they do within the space like I've created for them because I think part of them is just like sometimes I give them work and they're like okay so you're not you're not going to tell me what to do or you're not you're not going to give me instructions or you're not going to give me a, a timeline." I'm like the most I'll give you is like a key deadline but other than that like it's up to you like I want you to shape this work you don't have to kind of look to me or you know when and when speaking with staff to be like challenging, like I want them to be challenging. So I think that's been quite a challenge for me to help them really step into their authority and the fact that they have knowledge, the fact that they belong in this space, the fact that they have um, things that they can contribute. And I think it's the process of them doing the work that has really helped them gain that confidence and understanding and me kind of like dropping out of the space I've been I've been like to them just think of me as your guide slash facilitator on this journey of you know inclusion and curriculum development so really trying to change my positioning to help them feel like you know we are equal and the staff we're talking to are, are equal so
0: yeah Yes, yes. And I I you've highlighted a really I mean really a lot of challenges there in terms of how to get um staff and students um engaged. But one thing I've got from you just sharing that is mm. the it's the compassion, it's having the compassion as the member of staff, it's having the compassion as a member as a student as well. It's a two-way thing. You can't really work with students or staff without understanding or trying to understand or communicate with each other. And that's I feel like that's kind of the main takeaway point here. But You've then alluded to to people kind of doing doing things and their applications. And if I may perhaps then ask you, what would you say would be Tamara's top tip for those who are listening at the moment and not feeling very confident if they want to or not knowing how to include inclusion into their curriculum? Oh that's,
1: it's hard to put it in top one top tip, but um questions. I always pose questions to to my staff. And my top tip is just Think about your subjects in the context of the real world. like, don't worry about, you know, X group of student and Y group of student and Z group of student. It's like, okay, I have to use an example, but, you know, I teach computer science. Where do I start with that? Well, actually let's, you know, look around at how, for example, AI might be using, be used in the real world we think of something like facial recognition and we think well what is the impact of that work what's been happening and we know there are cases of faces you know dark skinned faces not being recognized so I try and always say to people you know start with the impact of what your students are learning within the scope of the real world because I think what that will force you to do is as you kind of research and and look at look at your content in the in the, the reality of the lived experience how to start including some of these different demographics of students and their experiences becomes a lot clearer and a lot easier without kind of using that demographic or set of people as a starting place
0: yes yes and I think I just got from that I think is summarizing two words in terms of Tamara's top tip be real <laughs> that's it you said it you said it. thank you thank you be real 100 percent. be authentic be real exactly exactly so so let's end this podcast episode uh, with you Tamara with the fun part We're going to do a quick, short firing round for our listeners and for me to get to know you more. So I've got a set of questions, random questions. um, Well, the answers I'm expecting are quick and short. (laughs) So don't give me a life story as much as we love to hear it. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. Fantastic. Because before we recorded this, uh, you mentioned you have a lot of wigs. So then therefore my question... My first question to you is, what's your favourite colour? Oh, my favourite colour is the current colour of my hair, which is royal blue. Out of curiosity, what would you be your least favourite colour? Black. It's a bit boring. Black's a bit boring. Go crazy. <laughs> your favourite place for a holiday? Barbados. Okay. Well, what was the last photo you took on your phone? Ah, uh, I don't know. A photo of my kitchen. Why <laughs> your kitchen? <laughs> 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 um
1: because I mean, i've just moved into my new house and someone wanted to see my house so i have a photo of my kitchen okay that i sent to them because i have a fancy home and i was like <laughs> it's exciting tea or coffee
0: tea tea all the way
1: Or coffee when i'm tired but tea just on the
0: way because it's just phenomenal. It's a phenomenal drink. I don't know. There's no better beverage. How much how much milk do you put in your tea? A random question. Do you like it really strong or really weak, like just a cup full of milk? We just tiny your tea? Enough that it's like a I,
1: I leave my tea bag in whilst I put the milk in. So it's a very strong cup of tea but it's also quite a like very caramel colour cup of tea at the same time. That's it, because I don't get people who just like, you know, dip in the tea bag and then take it out.
0: Just leave it in there. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a good way for if people want to make a cup of tea. They now know how to make a perfect cup of tea for tomorrow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, they do.
0: If you were to pick one learning and/or teaching platform or tool, what would it be? I'm a Big fan of Mentimeter because I love our quiz. Mm-hmm. I love a quiz. What do you do to recharge your energy after a long, stressful day of work? I have a glass of wine
1: and uh, I'll watch um, lots of Marvel shows on Disney+. (laughs) Okay, so what's your favourite movie? Uh, From the Marvel Cinematic Universe. uh, Do you know what? It has to be Guardians of the Galaxy. What a sensational film with a sensational
0: soundtrack. Okay, then, so what's your favourite music genre? R&B. RMV is my favourite. Okay, okay. Other than your phone or your laptop or your tablets or any piece of technology, what would be the one best thing to carry around to show students and or colleagues in corridors when on campus? Oh, that's a hard question. A uh, show and tell in the corridor, what would I carry? It's like a show and tell in the corridor, what would you normally carry? Oh, i are looking at. I don't know. I have
1: no clue, I don't know how to answer that question. Do I do anything? Do you know what? It would have to be my wigs, because it's already on my head. <laughs> and that changes colours enough that that is a bit of a show and tell stopper in the corridor, because I do get stopped in the corridor for someone to ask me about why have I got this new big one today? And what ha- why, why short, why long, why red? so
0: that is my show and tell Interesting. just take it on your head just, like, oh, this is... just put it on your head just put it... just, just, it's on my head <laughs> okay great what's the last fiction book that you read if you can remember
1: um, it must be Dan Brown's Inferno the, the last fiction book I read love Dan Brown
0: What would you be your alternative career that you secretly wish you had, but never actually pursued? Oh, that is a good
1: question. I wanted to be a singer for a very, very long time. Opera singer? Not opera, not opera. (laughs) I know you've had someone (laughs) who wanted to be an opera singer. Um, No, I cannot sing opera. Just, you know, know, I just wanted to be the next kind of like Beyonce or Adele one of the two do you know what I mean just there's two different routes we could have gone down there
0: okay who is your favorite learning and teaching or student engagement hero oh uh, I'm gonna say Maisha Islam
1: I just I love Maisha
0: we all love Maisha ah who doesn't
1: love (laughs) Maisha I just I find her work just so inspiring it's so niche and it just always every time i have a chat with her i just learn something new and i love that and she just she's really like inspired me in the work i do and kind of along my journey in, in student engagement and has been someone who's been with me actually from kind of start to finish. So big fan of Maisha, love everything she
0: does. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Maisha. So fan clubs <laughs> big fan of Maisha. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, okay, and finally then because our podcast is called the Education Burrito. What's your favourite burrito filling? Okay, got to you. Just got got to have a bit of pork. All right, I'm 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 writing it
1: down. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> uh pork um rice and black beans um lettuce guacamole sour cream some salsa mild salsa because i don't do hot
0: salsa um and some cheese okay great so if anyone's uh seeing tomorrow next time make sure you buy her burrito <laughs> yes please yes please <laughs> so that's all we have time for in this episode If our listeners want to find out more about what you do, Tamara, how can they do so? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at TeaTimeEdYou. Great, fantastic. Again, a massive thank you to you, Tamara Reid, for sharing with us your work on student engagement and inclusion. Thank you for having me. It's been really great. Thank you so much for your time and tuning into The Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.